It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are locked into the Philadelphia Eagles. What's up, everybody? Louis DiBiase here joining you on a Monday edition of the podcast. As always, we are part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Even though the regular season, the playoffs have officially come to an end for your Philadelphia Eagles after yesterday's 17-9 loss to the Seattle Seahawks in the wild card round. Me and Gino, we're going to keep it going throughout the offseason because, you know what, guess what? We have some big-time decisions that this Eagles roster, it's got to be moved around a bit, and there's going to be different things that happen with uh, trading and the draft and free agency and, you know, internal decisions about who to keep in-house from the 2019 roster. There's a lot of stuff that we got to get into now over the coming months as we get ready for the draft and for free agency and the NFL Combine. There, There's still, you know, the regular season and the playoffs have ended for the Eagles, but the offseason is really a season in its own right. And, you know, it's a busy time of year for the Lockdown Eagles podcast. So make sure you're subscribed on any podcast platform or head over to LockdownEagles.com as well to check out our content. And we Once again, you know, we said it at the end of yesterday's reaction show. We just want to thank Thank you guys for making year two of running this network such a fun ride. I mean, I started this podcast the offseason of the 2017 Super Bowl run. So after they won the championship, I took over the podcast and, you know, didn't think that you'd be able to top that. But then you get to 2018 and the, the roller coaster of a season that it was last year with all the injuries and, you know, being six and seven and then you win three straight and then you, you beat Chicago in the first round and, you know, you almost get to the NFC title game again. You know, I'm thinking to myself, I, I don't know if you can top that as a first year of running this podcast. And then 2019 was crazier. It, it was even crazier than I would have imagined. It, it was unreal and it was a lot of fun to go through the ups and downs, the emotional roller coaster. I was just scrolling through a lot of the episodes, you know, to see the tone of our shows change, you know, each and every week, you know, from that Washington game, the first week we're riding high because of Wentz and Deshaun Jackson. And then the next two games you'll lose to Atlanta and Detroit and the injuries start up and it's a lot of doom and gloom. And then, you know, they beat Green Bay and Lambeau and then they beat the Jets and they're on a two game winning streak. And, you know, then all the source stuff comes out and they lose to Dallas and Minnesota. It's just up and down, up and down, up and down. The Miami loss and then the four-game win streak and then to yesterday. You know, it kind of ends with a little gloom because Carson Wentz doesn't get to finish that playoff game, which really beat up a lot of people. Once I really finished that game and once that really happened, it, it was hard to continue to stay invested in the game because winning or losing that football game, while it was important for sure because we saw an opening to make a deep run, it was really all about just not not just celebrating Carson Wentz being in a playoff game, but just getting to experience that for the first time and to see him get to experience that for the first time in four years. It, you know, you really felt like you were on that ride with him and you could feel that emotion in the those four games that he helped win and win the NFC East Championship. So, you know, it was, it was really tough, but at the same time, it's it's hard to look back at this season and, and not be proud of what 
that roster was able to accomplish considering what they had to go through. I mean, I don't know if you'll ever see a team go through that many injuries, go through that much adversity with already the expectations heading into the season that they had and already the Philadelphia market is a it's a do or die market, especially with the fans. You know, sometimes that can lead to a rationale and um, so just a, a crazy roller coaster of a season that I still would say is successful and we'll get into that deeper on tomorrow's show, but uh, it, it was a hell of a ride here on the podcast for a second year, and I look forward to what 2020 uh, brings. And hopefully while the last two years they've, there's been playoff games and playoff wins and crazy headlines each and every week, I would like to see a team fully healthy that I can talk about on this podcast, and we can really start to set our aspirations back on what we did in 2017-2018. Uh, so on today's show, we're going to wrap up one final edition of Stock Up, Stock Down. And I love doing these each and every week, every Monday after the game. So going to miss it for a while, but we switch over pretty quick, guys. We, we got a couple shows here where we continue to look back at this 2019 season. And while we'll still implement that in the shows coming up because we have to evaluate the players and the coaches to make decisions going forward, what they did this last year, at the same time, we're going to switch to offseason mode pretty quick. You know, talking about decisions on contracts and pending free agents that for players that you already have in the building and um, the, you know the senior bowl is coming up in two weeks and Gino is actually going to be in Mobile Alabama covering that for us so that's going to be awesome and then you got free agency coming up after that and before you know it we'll have the draft and there's a lot to get into in the offseason all right we got to hit a break here coming up next stock up and then after that stock down one last time right here on the Lockdown Eagles podcast Guys, we are sponsored today by Blue Chew. This isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guys who want that extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so none of that in-person doctor visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment for free when you use our special promo code LOCKDOWN. All you got to do, just pay $5 shipping. That's it, and you get your first shipment for free. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew, BlueChew.com, promo code LOCKDOWN to try it for free. BlueChew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the Lockdown Eagles podcast today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, everybody, we are back. Louis DiBiase here joining you on this Monday edition of the show. One more time here until the 2020 regular season. Stock up, stock down. And it's not just about the game yesterday itself against Seattle, but the end of the season, you know, how did a lot of these players, these coaches do? One last look at the stock of these 2019 members of the Philadelphia Eagles. And we're starting here with the positives, as we always do on the show. And I normally always start it, at least the last month and a half, really since that first Seattle game, Carson Wentz has led this podcast when it comes to stock up. Because he was the, and I don't want to discredit what Greg Ward did and what Miles Sanders did and what Malcolm Jenkins did and Fletcher Cox, but 
Carson Wentz was the biggest reason that the Eagles went from 5-7 and seven to NFC East champions playing in a home playoff game. It was what he overcame, and not just him, but I'm going to group Doug Peterson in here for stock up. What those two, because as we've said on the show, like every single episode, how important the quarterback and head coach is for an organization. It, it feels so good to know that Doug and Carson are the guys for this team. For what? Another decade, if not more? What those two overcame this year to win the division. And yeah, you can say that this division was crap and that the Cowboys were frauds, and they, they certainly were, and that Washington was terrible and the Giants were terrible. You can say that, sure. But that doesn't, to me, discredit the impressiveness that was what these two did to turn around the season. It doesn't matter that they beat the Giants twice and the Redskins and the Cowboys. What they had to go through with injuries, you will never see this many injuries, although I thought that in 2018 and the 2019 Eagles topped it. So maybe 2020 has that. Please knock on wood here and hope that that doesn't happen. But you'll probably never in NFL history again, maybe in sports, see a team suffer this many injuries to this many core pieces. And how these two were still able to get this team to the postseason is remarkable. It's one of the most impressive things I'll ever see in sports. And that's why I'll always remember 2019. Yeah, you can say it was a down year and you won a crap division by barely beating up on that division in the last month. But how they did it was remarkable. And this season will always hold a special place in my heart. And it's not just the injuries that they had to overcome. It's the the locker room problems. Like Malcolm Jenkins said, you had snakes in there. You had multiple. Of course, we see Orlando Skandrick just spewing bile now on Fox Sports 1 and getting you know destroyed by Shannon Sharp, making him look terrible every single day now on that on that show. You had guys like him in there. If Alshon Jeffrey was in fact a snake that was talking about Carson Wentz, like having to turn around the season with that going on already with the expectations you had, already in a market like Philadelphia, and then all of the injuries, it's remarkable. It's remarkable. It leaves me no doubt that because of what the Eagles have done in, in 2018 and 2019, how they were still able to make the playoffs and do some damage in the postseason, it leaves me no doubt that 2017 wasn't a fluke, that this isn't a one-and-done type of team. Are they a dynasty, you know, like we, we kind of proclaimed after that season, or maybe a potential upcoming dynasty, like a lot of people said about the, the Seattle Seahawks after their first Super Bowl? Probably not. There aren't a lot of dynasties in the NFL. The Patriots are certainly an outlier for sure. It's not the NBA where you see this all the time. But at the same time, that new norm that a lot of people will have mocked over the last two years that new norm to me is a real thing. And if you get this team fully healthy, if you get Carson Wentz a fully healthy roster, if you get Doug Peterson a fully healthy roster, because Doug Peterson did it without Carson last year, and he did it without him down the stretch in 2017. You get those two a healthy roster, and I am fully confident that at the end of the year next year, even if they start off slow again, to me this team, they're a December football team, and they'll be playing Super Bowl football if they're healthy by this time in 2020. I am 100% confident in that. Will they make the Super Bowl? Who knows? But I am very confident that they'll be a team that's playing you know, deep into January. No doubt about that. And I'm glad to see Wentz doesn't seem too heartbroken over that game yesterday not playing. I'm sure he's not showing really that true emotion, and we didn't really get to see a lot of him because he is still in concussion protocol. So 
They didn't get to talk to him, um, but you know he he wrote an awesome message to the fans on Instagram and to his teammates, and you know he stayed after the game yesterday and thanked every single one of the players for their efforts during the season. And because yeah, it's devastating. I mean, how this this guy has gone through more in his first four years of a career that maybe any player has ever had to endure, losing out on that Super Bowl run after nearly winning MVP and a playoff run you miss out on again last year, and you've got players talking about you despite being a great leader and being nothing but a great teammate and a great person on and off the field. And you got the media monetizing off of this irrational debate in Philadelphia about Wentz. And, you know, again, it was Wentz versus Foles. It's devastating to see, once again this year, it finally be his time. And he he does it. He gets this team to the playoffs, overcoming all of those obstacles. And then he gets knocked out by a cheap shot. It's devastating. But I'm sure he's doing it, and you got to look at the positive. He still got, and we still got the run for him that we wanted to see. We wanted to see him in big moments in December and January thrive and do what Nick Foles did and win a division and get into the postseason, and he did that. And so because those four games, they, they were playoff atmospheres. They were playoff atmospheres, especially that Dallas game, and I thought he looked the best in that Dallas game. We know he's built for it now. So while, yeah, we wanted to see him play in this game against Seattle, we know Carson Wentz is built for playoff football now. I can confirm that, and I don't care that, again, it was against Washington or against New York. When you're playing with players that were on the practice squad all year, and that makes up your entire skill position set outside of Dallas Goddard and Miles Sanders, to me, you're built for playoff football. So I saw enough that I'm not satisfied for sure, but... I'm feeling really good. It's not. I'm not going to be beating myself up about Carson Wentz getting hurt in that playoff game because of what the four games before that did for him, did for our confidence in him. Not that I was losing confidence in him, but it was something that we've been waiting to see, and we finally did, in fact, get to see it. So Doug Peterson, Carson Wentz, I mean, their stock is up. Wentz threw for over 4,000 yards this year, 27 touchdowns, 7 picks again. In the last three years, he has less picks than Jameis Winston did this year. I mean, (laughs) maybe that says more about Winston than Wentz, but an incredible season for both of those guys. And when that's your head coach and quarterback, you're going to be in contention every single year. Another guy that stock up, Fletcher Cox, wrecked that game against Seattle. I am so excited about having a healthy, productive second defensive tackle next to him, hopefully, hopefully for an entire season next year. We haven't really seen it outside of Tim Jernigan in 2017. And hopefully Malik Jackson comes back healthy next year. Maybe it's Tim Jernigan on a cheap contract. Because when when Jernigan was healthy at the end of the season, Fletcher Cox really got going. So even if it's Jernigan again and Malik Jackson, if it's a rookie, maybe they take a defensive tackle day one or day two. The prospects of seeing the Cox that was playing against Seattle yesterday with a healthy Jernigan, a healthy Malik Jackson, and or a healthy, upside, you know, talented young kid, it's exciting to think about because Fletcher Cox has been an elite player without that. Let's finally give that to him in 2020. Let's let's finally give that to him because he was a huge reason Seattle only scored 17 compared to like 30. And, and he's been doing that for almost a decade now. Another stock up here, Josh McCown. I mean, What can you say about the guy? There was that awesome story this past week by Zach Rosenblatt of NJ.com talking about McCown's impact on these young wide receivers that were just thrown into the fire, you know, saying, hey, we know you were on the practice squad, but we got to win four straight games. 
get us into the postseason, help out Carson Wentz, and McCown was instrumental in bringing those guys up and ready, and not just bringing those guys up, but bringing some of them in, like Deontay Burnett. He recommended him to the front office, who brought him in, and Burnett made one of the biggest plays of the season with that 41-yard grab down the field against the Giants last week. So then he gets you know thrown into the fire in a wild card game, his first ever playoff game at 40 years old. And he's, you know, pulling hamstrings, running around, you know, holding the ball on read option and picking up first downs, pushing the ball down the field while he took a lot of bad sacks and it just things weren't going fast enough for him. They had those three red zone trips in the second half to try to tie the football game up. At the same time, it's it's hard to ask him to, you know, he had what, seven, six incompletions? He was pretty efficient for what he had to deal with. Especially, this isn't a backup that's like Nick Foles coming in and saying, hey, we know it's tough. You haven't taken any first team reps all week for, for weeks, for months, but you know, coming to do that with Alshon Jeffrey, Zach Ertz, a good Nelson Aguilar, but McCown had to do it not only at 40 years old, not having first team reps, but he also had to do it with, again, I don't want to call them a practice squad because of how good they've been, but not starting players in the NFL, and he had to do it in a playoff game. So it was tough to see him emotional on the sidelines and in the locker room after the game, but at the same time, it makes you proud because he... He really does, I think, define, I think that effort and that emotion he displayed really shows the heart and the resiliency of the 2019 Eagles. So while you don't want to see the season end that way, I did kind of like that McCown, he got that moment. And while he couldn't elevate this team enough, at the same time, you can't really ask for more from him, for, for a guy that, again, is probably going to be a coach next year, and hopefully it's for the Eagles. I'll take him as their quarterback coach right now over Press Taylor or their, even their OC over Mike Groh. So Josh McCown, his stock is up, even though they weren't able to score and get in the end zone and complete the comeback yesterday. I still want to give that dude a ton of credit for what he did this year. Coming off the couch, uh, he was retired, and the Eagles talked him out of it in August, and I think they were better off because of it. And speaking of the heart and resiliency of this Eagles team, how about Zach Ertz? His stock is up. I mean, he played with two rib fractures, a cartilage fracture, and a lacerated kidney. How many of you, I I pull, I twist my ankle running, and I'm done. I'm a wuss. To To play a contact sport, at a tight end position where you're not only you know over the middle, you're going to take a lot of contact, you're not a run-after-the-catch guy to begin with, so you're going to, contact's coming, and you're making blocks, and he's dealing with fractures in his ribs, his cartilage, and his kidney? I mean, get out of here. And he's still at 44 yards, only on two catches against Seattle. I mean, he still made two huge plays. This is a Hall of Fame player that I don't know if I just haven't appreciated enough as a fan because I don't want to build my offense around tight ends. You know, I'm someone that... I like 11 personnel better. I I want my speed. I want my big-time threats. But at the same time, his importance to this offense cannot be stated enough. So, you know, that was incredible that he played that football game. And the fact that he had 44 yards, I mean, the one catch along the sidelines was great. And, you know, he took contact and he fell to the ground. And I'm thinking he's got to be in so much pain. But, you know, he fought through it because he said even after the game that he wouldn't have been able to look at himself if he didn't play that football game. One more stock up here before we get into stock down. Jason Kelsey. He didn't take his uniform off after the game. He didn't talk to the media. I hope, you know, this is a guy that mauls retirement every single year. Even though he got a contract extension last year, I hope he does not retire. I mean, this is this is a guy that, by the way, was one of two offensive players this year that have played every game from start to finish. It's him and Isaac Sayamalu. So not only has he been there for this team when everybody else at one point wasn't, but 
you know, his speech too, like off the field, his leadership, that, that speech after the Cowboys game where during the offensive meeting, you know, he stands up at the beginning and just throws his heart on the line. He brought Doug Peterson to tears. I mean, that helped turn around the season. I mean, this guy, like I said about Ertz, the importance of Ertz to this team, Jason Kelsey it cannot be stated enough either. I think to make this offense go the way it should with the screen game and the zone read and, you know, the outside zone run concepts and getting these offensive linemen up to the, the second and third level and the communication that has to happen. Carson Wentz, Doug Peterson, Zach Ertz, those guys make this offense go, but Jason Kelsey is right there with him. This offense, and it's why I'm kind of nervous whenever he retires, this offense is not the same without Jason Kelsey, and his stock is up, and I hope he doesn't retire. I hope he's back in 2020. All right, coming up next, we'll finish this off with stock down right here on the Lockdown Eagles podcast. Don't go anywhere, guys. We'll be right back. Today's Locked On Eagles podcast is sponsored by Blinkist. Like the rest of us, I bet you're heading into 2020 thinking about what you didn't get around to in 2019 and what your goals are for the new year. If you want to work towards being your best self this year, understand more about the world around you, and make sure that your time is well spent, then Blinkist is for you. Blinkist is for anyone who cares about learning but doesn't have a whole lot of time. They take the time to get key insights from over 3,000 nonfiction bestsellers in over 27 different categories and condenses them down into 15-minute blinks, which are text and audio explainers that help you understand more about the core ideas of each book. Use blinks to get into a topic quickly, find a new topic to grow from, or figure out which books you want to spend more time reading or listening to completion. I really like to use Blinkist, especially the audio, because I'm a big listener more so. I like to learn through with my ears. So when I'm cooking, uh, when I'm driving to work, you know, anything that, you know, when I'm working out as well, the audio part of it, I really like with Blinkist and and you will too. And you know, if you're a reader, they have text as well. Right now, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com slash lockdown to start your free seven day trial and get 25% off a Blinkist premium membership. That's Blinkist spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T Blinkist.com slash lockdown to get 25% off and a seven-day free trial. Blinkist.com slash lockdown. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. All right, everybody, welcome back into the Lockdown Eagles podcast, segment three of this Monday edition of the show. It's January 6th, and we're doing our final edition of Stock Up, Stock Down for the 2019-2020 season as the Eagles season came to an end, unfortunately, yesterday against the Seattle Seahawks 17-9 in the wild card round, and we finished the show off with Stock Down. And the number one Stock Down to me is the media. And it's not all of the media, for sure. I, me and Gino were part of the media, and you know we didn't take part in this. A lot of the local media didn't take the bait as much as they have in the past, and it's the way the media covered the Carson Wentz injury. It was so, so disappointing to really come to a realization that I've, I've come to in the past, but it was really on display yesterday what sports quote-unquote journalism has become. And for a lot of these people that have gone to journalism school and to see them form into almost WWE kind of reporters that try to monetize this 
again, like I said in segment two, this irrational criticism of Carson Wentz over the past couple years simply based off of what Nick Foles has done. And it's not, it's a small group. It's not the majority of Philadelphia, like Colin Cowherd said. But the media saw this. They saw this divide. They, they know how some of the Philadelphia fan base can be. Sometimes the aggressiveness of a lot of these fans and, you know, the expectations for sure. And, you know, you've seen how some of these fans have treated Donovan McNabb despite what I thought was a really successful career. And I thought the media used that to their advantage to get clicks. And they, because I'm starting to think to myself, like, what did Carson Wentz do to deserve this criticism? Like, he is not an unlikable character. He's not someone that's unliked in the locker room outside of a couple people, maybe, just because they, I don't I don't know what it is, maybe because they, again, liked Nick Foles better. And because I'm thinking, like, why doesn't Matt Stafford get this kind of criticism? Why, why didn't player A or B, you know, get this unwarranted criticism despite how good they are for the league, like how dominant these players are? And it really is just that it's all clickbait. And, you know, they don't care if they're wrong because to justify they people literally today were justifying calling Carson Wentz injury prone by making the case that we should not use context for each injury. That the fact of the matter is the last three years he has ended the season hurt and that's what matters. It's not the, the fact, apparently what doesn't matter is zooming in on those injuries and realizing, oh, getting a concussion from a cheap shot where his brain hits his skull does not mean, does not line up with the fact that that makes him more susceptible to a torn ACL or a back injury. We actually had national media members that get paid probably millions. We had people like popular ESPN reporters and radio personalities. We had multiple and it was and it was embarrassment to say that I'm part of this industry. We had multiple people try to make that case with the backbone of their argument being don't use context. And that was very very disappointing. And what was also disappointing simply like it's not just stock down for the media, but for the referees as well trying to justify not calling a penalty on that hit saying that Wentz, you know, didn't give himself up as a runner. Although week two against Atlanta, when he dove for the end zone with a very similar play, they said he was giving himself up, and that's why it was a touchdown, but whatever. It doesn't matter if he was giving himself up or not. A, it was a late hit where Wentz's knee has been down for multiple seconds before Clowney makes contact, and I don't want to hear it's a bang-bang play by Jadavion Clowney, who by, who, by the way, has a track record of this. He did this to Nick Foles last year, nearly taking his head off in that game where the Eagles needed to win you know, to make the postseason. So Clowney's done this before, and also his teammate right next to him had pulled up because he saw Wentz going down. Clowney knew what he was doing, and that's the other part of this B for why this should have been a penalty, not just because Wentz was down, but because it was helmet to helmet. Clowney led with his helmet. He knew exactly what he was doing. And it's, by the way, the only reason Seattle won that football game. They nearly lost to a 40-year-old quarterback who had not played since week two of this season which with, with backups everywhere, backups to backups. So congratulations, Clowney. He knew what he was doing. He was leading with his helmet, and it doesn't matter if it, if it was intentional or not. Like They're trying to talk about intent with the explanation too, and it doesn't matter. And to me, if you watch... The replay, which they said they didn't, which is very confusing why you wouldn't review that before making a statement about it. It's so obvious what Clowney was doing there, driving his head into Wentz's head against the ground. It was very intentional. Clowney knew what he was doing. It was late. It was helmet to helmet. It was a quarterback. All of these three factors here and more should have been a basis for why this was a penalty. So it was disappointing to see how the media covered it. NBC, Pro Football Focus, people from ESPN, 
and it was also disappointing to see how the officials handled it. And it resulted in, you know, Clowney with another cheap shot that is the reason they're playing Green Bay next week and Philadelphia isn't because if Wentz plays in that football game, they score on one of those red zone trips and the Eagles are in the second round with Deshaun Jackson. So it's frustrating. It really is. So stock down to all of that. Couple more stock downs here before we wrap up the show. On the defensive side of the football is cornerbacks coach Corey Unland. I think it's time not only to get new corners, you know, Jalen Mills, I, I bet he's back though next year. Ronald Darby, time to move on from him. Sidney Jones, Razul Douglas, they, this organization clearly does not see these guys as the answer. Not only is it time to get new corners in, but a new cornerbacks coach too. I don't know what Unland has done to even stick around. I mean, he was with this team during the Chip Kelly era, and my God, I've never seen worse cornerback play than than maybe, I mean, okay, I, I've seen Namdi Asimov play and Leotis McKelvin, but, you know, Bradley Fletcher, Kerry Williams, Byron Maxwell, why he was retained first off, I don't understand, and, you know, now he hasn't really developed anybody. So, and, and this team, by the way, they are so desperate for defensive turnovers, which they just could not get in the second half of the year. And I think a huge part of that was because of Unland in, in his coaching for these corners. Because how many plays this year, especially the last month, could you say there's a interception that ended up being a big reception for the offense, and it's because of the corners' refusal to get their body turned around? Like, how many times did that happen? I feel like at least between the Washington game, the two New York games, and the Dallas game, Razul Douglas could have had like three interceptions. Avante Maddox could have had a couple. Craven LeBlanc could have had a couple. Sidney Jones even could have had one against Daniel Jones. He had one on Daniel Jones last week, but he could have had another one if he turned around. He got burned deep by Darius Slayton, and Jones just severely underthrows it. It would have went right into Sidney Jones' hands. So Corey Unlin's stock is down. I still want to see change in this assistant coaching staff, and I think it's got to start with Corey Unlin. I think you just need an overhaul at the CB spot. Coaching, personnel, just overhaul it. Keep LeBlanc, keep Maddox. I would keep Razul and or Sid, too, as depth to see what you got with those guys still. I, I imagine one of them will move on, though, as well. All right, stock down here. Jason Peters, yet another false start penalty. He got exposed by Jadavion Clowney all game. And I just don't think he did enough after Carson Wentz got hurt. I was disappointed how he kept helping up Jadavion Clowney. I know they're buds, but with what Clowney did to his quarterback, he's supposed to be the bodyguard. And uh, that just didn't it didn't sit right with me yesterday, if that's the end of Jason Peters' tenure in Philadelphia. And by the way, he said he wants to play next year. He does not want to retire. He says he feels the best at the end of a season that he has in a long time. I'm telling you, I think it's going to be somewhere else. I mean, look, he's just not a bad enough starter to have him be a swing tackle or to be your left guard. He's going to play left tackle somewhere next year. And I'm excited about Dillard, and I loved the the chemistry he was forming in the middle of the season with Isaac Sayamalu. So I'm okay with Jason Peters moving on. Just don't expect him to be in Philadelphia outside. Unless they say you're the left tackle next year, he's going to be gone. He's just too good. There's too many teams that need competent offensive line play. I mean, Big V is going to get a starting job somewhere next year. So Jason Peters, who at the halfway point this year was a top 10 graded left tackle, according to Pro Football Focus, that guy's going to get a starting spot next next year somewhere. It's, it's probably, I would say, because this organization loves Jason Peters, but it most likely will not be in Philly. One more, Howie Roseman. I'm a big fan of Howie Roseman. I'm a big defender of his this year, even though it wasn't 
the best year for free agency and his personnel decisions during the year were certainly suspect. He didn't really make a lot of moves. Um, at the same time, I thought he brought in a lot of good practice squad players. Yeah, they didn't realize what they had until later in the in the season. Before, almost before, it was too late. But nonetheless, he brought those guys in. But how the Eagles season ended really exposed one huge mistake when it comes to Howie Roseman and his decisions. And it was taking J.J. Ortega Whiteside over D.K. Metcalf, who had 160 yards. He had the game-clinching deep bomb from Russell Wilson on third and long over Marcus Epps' head, and it just, it's tough because I wanted DK Metcalf. Honestly, I would have took him in the first round. I thought DK was the best receiver in this class. He ended up being the seventh one taken. I think Howie Roseman fell victim to that groupthink in the NFL. I think people read too much into the worries about DK and the the three-cone drill and all that garbage. And Look, I understand that speed's not to be the only part of your evaluation, but when you're a guy like DK Metcalf that is as big, he's bigger than J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. He's faster. He's more explosive. Maybe he's not as technically sound. His hands, though, looked pretty damn good, too. He caught a huge deep bomb over Avante Maddox for a touchdown, too. It's tough to see that guy destroying the Eagles twice this year. And look for J.J., I don't know what his path is next year. I mean, you want to give your second-round pick a chance, but no way am I confident in him enough to not make moves for other starting receivers this year. Like I still want the Eagles to sign a couple free agents maybe and draft a couple wide receivers. I want at least two, three fresh new players that are playing next year. You know, and with Greg Ward's emergence too, Deshaun Jackson coming back, I don't know what the path is for J.J. I don't. So Howie Roseman, just from the fact of missing out on D.K. Metcalf and instead taking J.J. stock down. All right, that's going to do it for today's edition of the Lockdown Eagles podcast. Thank you so much for tuning into today's edition of the show. Tomorrow we'll take another, you know, zoomed out look at the 2019 season. What went wrong during the year? What went right? What do we want to leave behind? What do we want to take forward into 2020? And really just talk about the success level of the season from preseason expectations to now. Kind of just take another look one last time. That's going to do it for today's edition of the Lockdown Eagles podcast. I'm Lou DiBiase signing off. Make sure to subscribe on any podcast provider or hit us up on LockdownEagles.com. As always, thank you for downloading. Thank you for listening, and let's go Birds. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? 
Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.